Welcome to Mutiny Community, the officially unofficial podcast for Halt and Catch Fire on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Eric. And we're doing a little season three preview feed starter podcast here. Yeah. Uh, it's a brand new show, so we wanted to get something out there bef- ahead of the season to mm-hmm. uh, kind of connect with the audience and start at the feed. Absolutely. I guess the big question here, Jim, is why did we want to jump in on this show for season three? Uh, so... I, I watched season one and I was all hyped for this show coming off like, I think I heard about it with uh, Breaking Bad or Walking Dead or something. Mm-hmm. And I, I said, okay, this is right up my alley. This is an 80s based show about computers. I'm an IT guy. I freaking love this stuff. And so I watched it uh, and, you know, my other my other co-host, Aaron, also watched it and I thought we were going to do this podcast together and it turns out he didn't like the show. Uh-huh. So I, I was kind of bummed about that and we never got to do a podcast and then... You know, season two went along, and I think you got on board then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I def- I got on board because uh, cause the first season was published on Netflix. Right. So I watched yeah. the first season on Netflix, and I was like, this show's freaking good, man. Yeah. And um, then... Uh, basically, like, Mad Men in the 80s. That's how it was okay. kind of originally, but then but then completely diverged. Like, I think that might have been why Aaron didn't like it, is because, you know, with the salesy Joe stuff, it was kind of Mad Men-y, but then... I feel like it really diverged and got these strong characters together. Yeah, I think so, too. He really hated the character of Joe, which yeah. I just looked at and said, no, that's pretty much like a Steve Jobs type character. I don't have a problem <laughs> yeah. with that at all. Those are real people. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Then, yeah, we heard we were shocked, I guess, because like we didn't expect a season three at all. The mm-hmm. The ratings were so low on season two, I thought it was going to get canceled. And so did pretty much everybody else. Uh, yeah. And then I heard that it was uh, renewed, and then somewhere along the way, you were like, "Hey, we should do a podcast about that." And I yeah. said, "Yes, absolutely." Because you know, I've been a part of the, I've been a minor player in the Bald Move Empire yeah. for a while now. For a while now, uh-huh. as part of the now defunct Gotham Blotter Podcast, uh, I currently uh, host the Direct Podcast, where we take the direct trajectory through director's filmography. <laughs> uh, we're currently on David Fincher. Right. Uh, of course, uh, the OG podcast, Personal Arrogance, which got us all to be friends in the first place. And uh, I'm really excited to actually do a podcast with you. Yeah, we've and... done a couple together, just like one-offs. I think we did yeah. The World's End together. Oh, dude, I don't even remember that. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. And then I was, a, I was a bit player on the first season of Fargo podcast. Right. Uh, and... I think that's about it. Yeah, I think you were on a you were on an episode of Personal Arrogance once, but this is the first real crossover. I also want to know how you're feeling because Aaron, of course, has done some breakout podcasting. Orange is the New Black, or uh, what is that one with the with Ava Green in it? Uh, True Blood, Penny Dreadful. I know he's done all those. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I don't know which and is which. So, <laughs> so this is your first foray into uh, into non Aaron podcasting. So, yeah, pretty uh, much. I, I want I, I want to I want to dominate the numbers. So listeners, tell your friends. <laughs> okay, tell, tell your friends. Leave an iTunes review right now, based on the three minutes you've heard already. <laughs> this is top notch content, folks. You're not going to find this anywhere else because literally, <laughs> I'm sure nobody else is doing a podcast about this show. Yeah, I don't. Uh, even, based on the viewership numbers, I don't even think AMC wanted to do a third season of this show, <laughs> but they decided to for some weird reason. Like uh, maybe it happened by accident. <laughs> like nobody, somebody forgot to send the facts. I think Lee Pace personally financed it. Yeah. 
<laughs> Use that Guardians of the Galaxy money. <laughs> right. To fight in season three. He played Groot, uh, didn't he? <laughs> he did. He was he was Groot. He played all the CGI characters. Gotcha. Um so yeah, let's get into the characters here because I feel like the characters are what make this show so strong. Like it's really yeah. interesting. Um I don't think it's fair to compare this movie or this this uh TV show to Mad Men because Mad Men is probably one of the greatest shows of all time. Yeah. Uh, in terms good. of character development, like mm-hmm. one of the, my favorite things about Mad Men is like you'd read the synopsis and it would say Peggy meets a new friend and Don uh, goes camping with his family and you're like, oh my god, I have to watch that. <laughs> right. That's must see TV. Because inevitably it would it would be that, but it would be so much more dramatic than that statement, right? Exactly, yeah. That's one of my favorite things was reading the synopsises of Mad Men on the DVR because they sounded so boring and yet right. they were so enthralling. I don't know if this this show like reaches that level, but at the same time, the characters do make this really strong and the development of the characters are strong. And mm-hmm. it seems like they make really strong decisions based on the ways that their characters have grown over time. So... Yeah, and I love the characters on the show. And there's also a lot of comeuppance in this show, too. I mean, especially if you look Mm -hmm. at Joe. Like, a lot of the choices he made early on in season one have really come back to haunt him in season two. And now, I mean, at the end of season two, had almost ruined his life. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I like that a lot. And also, I mean, you can't say enough about the acting. Like, they've got a couple of pretty big actors in this now. Um, Mm -hmm. Scott McNary has been in a lot of stuff since he started doing this. I believe it's Scoot. Scoot. Scoot McNary. Sco- Holy His shit. His name's Scoot. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Wow, you just blew my mind. A <laughs> man Scoot- named Scoot. Yeah, he is really great in this. The first time I saw him, he was in um, Killing Them Softly, that Brad Pitt movie where he, he like play, Brad Pitt plays like this assassin hitman guy. Yeah, I didn't see that. a good movie. But Scoot's also in, in BVS, Batman vs. Superman. He's wheelchair man. Gets those legs chopped <laughs> off, and then Lex Luthor puts him in a wheelchair. I'll leave wow. it there, because I don't want to spoil that movie. Wow. But I was like, that's amazing, Scoot. Way to go. Way to be in uh, BVS. <laughs> so, yeah, Scoot's pretty big. I feel like Lee Pace is marginally okay. Uh-huh. He's, he's got a, a fledgling movie career. Right. Uh, the one person who I'd love to see uh, more I'm of. I'm not even going to try love... and say Carrie's last name. Yeah, Carrie Bechet, I believe. Bechet? Is that like it? Like a beignet? I think so. I, I'm definitely better at pronouncing names than Aaron. I'm, I'm just going to put that out here right, <laughs> okay. right now. Then but I'll Carrie trust Bichet your instincts. Is, yeah. <laughs> Carrie Bichet is somebody who I want to see a lot more of because she's awesome. Yeah. Uh, uh, as Donna. Uh, yeah, she's great. Um, Mackenzie Davis is also great as Cameron. Uh, Super great. The, the main cast is just real good. Yeah, and then uh, we'd be remiss not to mention Toby Huss as John Bosworth. Yes. And he's popping up other places, too. I think I saw him in, like, the new Magnificent Seven trailer. He's, like, a cowboy or something. Like, I'm like, I want him in a Western is, like, perfect. Because I'm pretty sure he was born in a Wrangler, t- in a Wrangler shirt with uh, snap-on buttons. So, yeah, let's go through the characters. I figure we could do a little bit of a recap. Maybe people are coming into Halt and Catch Fire for the first time here on Season 3. The whole thing's available on Netflix, so you, if you want to catch up, it's all available to you there. Um, but Joe McMillan, man. Joe McMillan has gone through an arc. Basically yeah. disappeared from IBM, mm-hmm. shows up at this tiny little computer company uh, called Cardiff Electric, 
that was mostly doing servers or like I think like big big time uh, servers basically the heavy metal as they call it yeah exactly so they had the engineers and stuff for that not a lot of software people that's where he meets Gordon Clark who's basically the was the was person in this yeah Um, they both copy the what, what was that code the the code from IBM the BIOS code from IBM. They like go on a weekend and somehow write down <laughs> sixty thousand characters perfectly uh-huh. and write down the BIOS for IBM. Uh, Joe sends it to IBM, and IBM says, "Oh, we're going to shut down Cardiff Electric." But it was a shrewd move because <laughs> Joe says, "Well, we don't have to shut down if we're building a personal computer." So he basically forces their hand. They end up having to lay off a bunch of people. And they spend the first season building the giant, which is basically like the first laptop with an LCD screen, yep. and uh, it's twice as fast and half as expensive. Um, and in the process of that, they hire this snappy young punk coder named Cameron Howe uh, comes in to write the new BIOS for the Cardiff Giant, and in the process goes through this big tumultuous sexual relationship with <laughs> Joe McMillan. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't seen the show, and maybe you don't want to catch up on the first two seasons completely before you watch the third episode, I do, uh, I do encourage you to go out and watch like the first fifteen minutes because between Joe, Gordon, Cameron, and Donna, the way that they introduce these characters in the pilot episode is so impressive that in the first fifteen minutes you get a really good handle on who each of these people are. Yeah, I especially um, love that classroom scene where Joe kind of recruits Cameron. Yeah, that's a Which really I think good scene. Is the first scene in the movie, or the first scene in the TV show? I think it might be. I think it is. Yeah. Sorry, I keep saying movie because I'm used to directing or <laughs> used to, I'm used to podcasting about movies. But I'll try to try to get that back for the show. And then finally, Donna, who's Gordon's wife, she worked at Texas Instruments. She's also an engineer, and she's a brainiac. Um, but she kind of goes through this whole season, kind of supporting uh, Gordon while. Also going through, I don't know, would you call it a quarter-life crisis or maybe a third-life crisis at the same time? Not so happy with her with her current lot in life and with Gordon's continued craziness because <laughs> her rich father bankrolled his first pipe dream project, which failed, which is called, right. I believe it's called Symphony. Symphony, and it was, okay. I, yeah, it was like a computer that w- had a keyboard attached to it. Oh, oh what a dumb yeah. idea. Because Carrie, <laughs> because Donna plays the keyboard, which we find out later. Um, they they try that with so, Mario too. Mario teaches piano. Mario piano. Oh teacher. yeah, I uh, love Mario piano teacher. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I I really like the relationship between Gordon and Donna because they're both motivated people, uh, mm-hmm. and they both have similar skill sets, uh, right. though not identical. And you know, it's it's tough for I guess two people to go out and do these adventurous things that they both want to do. So one of them at all times has to take a back seat and let the other yeah. kind of drive. And it, yeah, you know, it's not easy for either of them to do that. Yeah, basically season one is Donna taking a back seat to Gordon and season two is Gordon taking a back seat to Donna. Right. But I love also Donna is, she's really like, like Gordon's a, this genius, this like tortured genius who never lived up to his potential. But Donna's like a quiet genius. Like she comes up with the chips on both sides of the board idea, which they use for the Cardiff giant. Mm -hmm. Um, When 
they when Joe puts the stunt together that erases all of the work that Cameron did, although it didn't really erase it, it was for some press thing. <laughs> um Donna's the one who comes in and fixes the drive and recovers all the data. Like she's got the technical chops. I would say her technical chops are probably greater than Gordon's. Yeah. But Gordon's got the vision. He's the visionary genius tech guy and she's like the hard tax i just know all this stuff tech guy <laughs> yeah so that's really cool so that's kind of the first season they go through they uh try to release the giants they they make money on it it's it's they do it's successful they go to uh what's the name of that conference that they go to i can't remember um but they go to this conference in las vegas and that's like my favorite episode of the first season is when they go to the conference. Uh, yeah, isn't there like a crisis where the computer's not working and they got to sell it and they're in the hotel room trying to fix it at the very last minute? Yeah, so it, originally they have like the prototype and the prototype keeps malfunctioning, but they finally get it working um, and they take it down to the show floor and then they find out that a competing company that is was founded by the person that Donnie used to work for right created a laptop called the slingshot which is basically just a clone of the giant hmm. uh, and so they need to figure out a way to make the giant faster in order to um, in order to sell it and make it uh, commercially viable and the way that they do that is they ditch Cameron's BIOS for a regular DOS BIOS, and then they're able to free up memory and make the computer faster. Oh. And that's how that's when the big falling out happens between Joe and Cameron because it's she sees it as a giant betrayal. Let me ask you this. Joe. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the worst possible name for a laptop that's supposed to be compact and small? <laughs> uh, the Xbox One? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sorry. The survey says giant. Giant is a giant. terrible name oh, for a laptop. So close. I know. It's uh it's a, well and that's the thing, they come up with the name because I think because Gordon well, they wanted to call it the contrail. Joe wanted to call it the right. contrail. And Gordon's like, Why don't we just call it the giant? And then Joe says, Fine, we'll call it the giant and then it's <laughs> called the giant. So that's basically the first season. The second season, um, they build another giant in the off-season that's a PC. It's a desktop giant. And then Cardiff gets bought by some external company. And so Gordon and Joe both are in line to get $800,000 in shares from Cardiff because they got some ownership over the company when they took over the giant project. Um, Joe doesn't end up with the money because Cardiff, who owns the company, gets is really pissed off at him and basically sees him as somebody who drove his family company into the ground, mm-hmm. rips up his shares check, and says, I dare you to sue me because I, I can't wait to tell a jury what you've done here. <laughs> right. Uh, Gordon, on the other hand, is sitting on $800,000, basically spends the rest of the season, you know, chilling. Yeah. And making getting into trouble. Yeah, season two, he's just kind of doing his own thing. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, like we said, uh, in this season, Donna really gets to follow her dream as she goes and founds Mutiny with Cameron, which Mm -hmm. is an online gaming company, um, that makes online games. But, uh, Donna quickly understands the potential in the community aspect of that. And so it's kind of the birth of message boards. Right. Uh, Joe, meanwhile, he goes to get, 
he get, becomes engaged to this uh to this lady her name is uh Sarah Wheeler and her dad owns this big oil company in Dallas so Joe goes to work for him and ends up doing data entry <laughs> as kind of a punishment uh-huh. but while he's down in the server room decides hey man time sharing we we could sell the time that we're not using these survey uh servers to other companies so he basically founds time sharing and then a bunch of stuff goes on and mutiny ends up getting on the time sharing network uh and then the company tries to buy mutiny and then they pull out at the last minute because joe tells camera not to sell because they want to cut games yep then they clone mutiny they take over their uh they take over Mutiny, basically. So if you were to go to, I guess, what would be the website at that time of Mutiny, it now goes to this oil company site with a cloned Mutiny uh, screen. Yeah, I think they're essentially BBSs at that point. Like, oh. I don't even know what that means. So I'm going to I'm gonna defer to you on everything technical. <laughs> okay. Uh, a BBS is like a, a proto-message board. It's, it's called a bulletin board mm-hmm. system, and it's just a computer that you dial into locally, and then you can, okay. you can interact with the other users who dial into it. And kind of just you know, leave messages and depending on how many lines they have, that's how many servers or how many people can dial into the server at any time. Yep. Uh, so when they were talking about like, Oh, we're going to give them 300 lines and all this cool stuff in the buyout. Well, that's 300 users that can connect at the same time and interact with each other. Mm. Uh, so it's, it's pretty attractive deal. And, and at this time, mutiny is basically only based in Austin. Yeah. That's what I. So it's only local users, and so there's this idea that they can expand it out and have users everywhere mm-hmm. in some kind of interconnected net, which you might call an internet. <laughs> I don't know. Yep. Uh, they pull out the last second, and uh, and then they decide they're going to move to California. So that's where they are at the end of this season. They are on a plane to California. Yeah. Meanwhile, Joe's burned all of his bridges. But he's able to use a program that Gordon made that actually crashed the mutiny servers. Right. Uh, he's able to use the antidote for that virus, like the first virus, uh, <laughs> and creates an antivirus company also in San Francisco. So we're going from Texas to San Francisco for the third season. L- let me ask you, did you have any trouble yeah. figuring out where people were at any given time? Because I know when Joe yeah. gets married, he also moves to California. And then I guess he comes back, or he threatens to move to California, and then come. He they were they were threatening to move to California. He does no, yes, he, he does. Goes, okay, well, they were going to move to California. They went on this like two month long honeymoon. But you're right; it's very hard in the show because sometimes the episodes pick up right where the last one left off, and sometimes we're like two months later. Right. Uh, but the other thing is that for most of season two, Joe was in Dallas and everybody else was in Austin. And they're going between Dallas and Austin all the time. Like They are. How far is it between Dallas and Austin? It's got to be at least two hours. Nothing in Texas right? is any closer than two hours. Yeah. Like, so there's like a, there's a night where Donna and Gordon go out to, look it up here, three hours and five minutes okay. from Dallas to Austin. Like there's a there's a there's an episode where Donna and Gordon go to dinner at Joe's house in Dallas, mm-hmm. and then like the mutiny servers all crash because that's when Gordon put his program into the uh, computers and got all destroyed, and then Donna drives back to Austin. That's like a full six hours drive <laughs> between the two. I feel like they do a little too much teleporting between the two cities, but yeah, we'll give we'll give that to them. I don't know. I live in Seattle, so everything is 12 hours away from me. So uh, 
Uh, I'll, I'll, a three-hour drive doesn't sound that bad to me. Um, and there is one other huge plot point, I think, in season two. And that's where Gordon goes back to his hometown or visits his brother in California. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's his hometown. And he has an affair while he's there. But meanwhile, Donna has become pregnant via Joe. Or via, Wait. sorry. <laughs> no, no, not that. via Joe. <laughs> via Gordon. Okay. And while he's away, she has an abortion oh, because she man. doesn't want to have a third kid. Yep. And she never tells him about it. And yep. at the end of the season, at the end of season two, Gordon tells Donna that he had an affair. And she says, the only way that we're going to keep, make this marriage work is if we're in this together. You have to come work for mutiny in California. And that's what's going to happen. But she has not told him about the abortion that she had. Right. And the, and, and he hints it, when they're on the plane, oh, maybe we'll get to California and have another kid. And she goes to the bathroom and just has a meltdown. Yeah, like this is a crazy thing. And also Cameron was the one who drove her to Planned Parenthood to have the abortion. Right, so she knows as well. Yeah, although in the first season, Donna did kiss her boss. That's true. While they were on a business trip. Uh Uh-huh. So the marriage has been on shaky ground for a while, and I feel like it might be on shaky ground in the future. Yeah, Uh, like that's one of my big questions. Can can they patch this up? Is there any going back for them? Um, And, you know, is is the stuff that they've got going on in their lives going to continue to get in the way of the relationship? And that's like, you know, mutiny for Donna, like will working Mm -hmm. together actually be a good thing for them or a bad thing. And also uh, is Gordon going to be able to focus on mutiny with the idea of Joe McMillan having just stolen his software or not stolen it, but taken his gift, uh, his personal gift and essentially created a company out of it. Uh, Yeah. And and Joe called Gordon and said, hey, man, I want to start this antivirus company with you. But Gordon was in the corner then. It was either yeah. go start a company with Joe or get divorced. Yeah. And so he chose to stay with Mutiny, stay with Donna, and move to California. But, yeah, they're all going to be in NorCal. We're basically moving from the Silicon Prairie to the Silicon Valley. So uh, it'll be man. interesting. I'm excited. Actually, just talking through it has made me excited for season three. Can we not, like completely gloss over the fact that gordon may be dying oh like, yeah well <laughs> yeah <laughs> well gordon has cte uh-huh which interestingly enough is the thing that uh, all the nfl players have basically it's the thing like that concussion movie with will smith really that cte is chronic toxic encephalopathy i believe and that is these little pools of matter that get in your brain and basically degrade over time and keep degrading your brain function oh boy so that's the same thing that gordon has but he's also exhibiting a lot of just crazy behavior that isn't triggered by the cte (laughs) according to the doctors yeah it's tough to know with him like yeah is it his illness or is it just stress right and he also is like addicted to coke for a while um so (laughs) there's some interesting stuff here i want to ask you since you are definitely more of a tech guy than i am how do you feel about all of the kind of tech advancements that seemingly all these people Forrest Gumped it into? Oh, in well, yeah, that, I mean, that's pretty unbelievable. Um, yeah. But these, a lot of these things are things that really happen. Like, for instance, the other thing mm-hmm. Gordon was doing in season two was kind of restarting another company, right? Um, mm-hmm. He got a few of his buddies from some big companies together, and they were building what in the real world is called an IBM-compatible machine. Um, uh-huh. and that is, that is something where 
you can take off the shelf parts and stick them together without having to like you know solder transistors onto a board or anything uh right. and that's that was a huge turning point in the pc uh i, I guess business industry yeah custom pcs cuz once 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 companies were building custom PCs, people started building custom PCs, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm podcasting right now on a computer that I built with my own bare hands. <laughs> right. So Didn't solder the silicon or anything, no. but I did uh, I did put the pieces together and turn it on. Yeah, so I, I think it's really cool when they do that kind of stuff, which they, they yeah. depict the advancements in the industry, even though uh-huh. one person wasn't making all those advancements. Yeah, it's you know all these people are kind of tech superheroes, and right. that like they're they're doing LCD screens for the first time, and they're creating basically the the precursors to social media, and they're figuring yeah. out uh, shared server space and data farming, and they're creating antivirus, and they're like there is a lot of things that these four people are involved in that uh, that makes it a little hard to swallow, but. It's all about the characters, really, in this show. Yeah. And I see all that tech stuff as kind of icing on the cake. Because um, the setting is really cool. Like, these people... Uh, this show takes the 80s and makes it look cool. The way that <laughs> Batman made the 60s look cool. And that's a hard... That's a much harder task than making the 60s look cool, I think. Uh, making the 80s look cool is, is a little tougher. But they make it look pretty suave and pretty neat, man. Uh, yeah, it absolutely does. And, you know, I, I was looking around some of their houses and I, I have like memories of having some of the same things. Like there's a pencil sharpener behind uh, Tom at one point that I'm like, I had that pencil sharpener and it was not cool, <laughs> but somehow it works. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it, they make it look like Joe is a very suave dude. And, <laughs> uh, you know, he's he's a master salesman. He's a master wordsmith. Um, and he's. That's the one thing about Joe that I think separates it from Steve Jobs, because he's obviously some kind of Steve Jobs clone for this show. Yeah. But the thing about Joe is that he is kind of a massive failure at this point. He is. Like, everything he touches goes up in flames. Like, almost literally. He he sets an entire truck full of <laughs> Cardiff Giants on fire. He does. Uh, but, but he is a visionary it t- thing, like, he has some kind of idea about how he wants people to feel about the technology, but I feel like he doesn't really know how to get there. Like, there's a scene in the first season when he sits down with all the programmers who eventually go to work for Mutiny, and he's like, hey, man, we need a killer app for the Cardiff. Like, what's a killer app? And they come up with a moon phase calculator right. and something that'll tell you, like, uh, or like, it was like an ant farm, or no, beekeeping simulator. <laughs> right. Um, and he's like, no, 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 we need something amazing. And they're like, well, what are your ideas? Sure. And like, that's kind of as far as he goes is we need a killer app. Okay, good. What should that be? I don't know. Um, he he understands the concepts and I, there's also a a scene in season two where, uh, mm -hmm. him and Sarah do some MDMA and they go to the club and they're dancing and then they, they kind of crash on the couches there. And he, you know, aside from inventing second life, essentially, uh, yes. He he also has like this feeling where I've got all these ideas. I just can't get them. I can't make them real and get them out of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's the thing he's having trouble with. And I I, I don't know. There's there's something kind of sympathetic about him, even though a lot of the time he's being a huge asshole. That's the thing about Joe, dude. He is a giant asshole, yeah. and you can't trust him as far as you could throw him. Yep. 
But the guy, I root for him. I do too. I root for him on this show. Yeah. Very much in the same vein as how I rooted for Don Draper. Don Draper is a complete asshole yeah. who's terrible to everybody <laughs> around him and is self-destructive, and yet you want him to succeed. Mm-hmm. Joe McMillan is very much that character. Like, I would love to see this antivirus thing get off the ground. I don't think it will. Yeah, how do you... I'm sure it'll go up in flames again. <laughs> Probably. But... Uh, it's yeah. a really good idea, and we know, obviously, that that's important in the 90s especially. Uh, yeah. What do you think about the the kind of separation here now that joe's in uh is is he still in dallas no he moved to san francisco as well oh okay well then never mind so they're yeah they're all in north (laughs) okay at this point they're figuring out ways to keep everybody together yeah the last scene of uh the last scene of season two is him standing in his new office overlooking san francisco okay um but that's the funny thing because there's also there's these allegories, right? So um, at the beginning, Joe is basically Steve Jobs, and now I feel like they're trying to make him John McAfee, right? Do you know who John McAfee? Oh yeah, is? no, he's gonna run away to an island with his underage women, and yeah, Pro- and maybe probably commit murder. Definitely and- commit murder. Definitely. Yeah, and light cigars with hundred dollar bills. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Like that's his that's his next uh, next phase of life. Like, how much crazier um, can they go with Joe? Like, they've already done the Steve Jobs thing, which he's a little wacky. They're going the John yeah. McAfee route. How, where yeah. can they go with that? Uh, I like mean, Steve Ballmer, he can be up on the stage. Developers, developers. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, dude. He's gonna buy the Clippers and give him a clip art <laughs> logo. I feel like that was a shrewd move by Ballmer. Is Buying the Clippers and then rebranding them with the Clip Art logo because they are the Clippers. So that, I think he just took are that. Are you pulling my chain or did he actually do that? Well, a lot of people say their logo looks like Microsoft Clip Art. Oh, okay. The one that he he, pres- he has presided over the rebranding since he, ho- <laughs> since he gotcha. bought the team. He should have just the used the paper clip. Clippy? I know. Oh, my God. <laughs> he should have. They... They announced the new mascot this year, which is a condor. Okay. But I feel like Clippy would have been a much better <laughs> mascot. Oh man, the guy who the guy who owns Clippy also owns the Clippers. Or owned Clippy also owns the Clippers. Um Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm excited to see what happens just because I'm excited to see what these characters do next. And honestly, I I'm much I'm much more in favor of interesting character interactions and interesting decisions than I am creating the next iPad or whatever they're gonna make. You know, gonna get into cell phones or something like that in the next one. Like um I I see all that tech stuff is icing on the cake and I'd much rather see what happens. Like you said between Donna and Gordon, what is this dynamic going to be like with Gordon running the network for Mutiny? And as Mutiny becomes a national... I, I expect Mutiny to come, become more of a national player. Mm-hmm. And it looks like they're only focusing on community from now on. Although Cameron, I don't think, is going to sit well with that because she's a game designer and she wants to make games. And she also created like the first first-person shooter game <laughs> right. in the show as well. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, there's a lot of stuff up in the air with Mutiny. I know they just they're buying yeah. this server and they're going to run their own network. Uh, but what are they actually going to do to go national here? How are they going to get the money right. to do that? That's still yep. up in the air. And also, like, has Cameron herself really learned anything along the way? Because she has had a lot of relationship problems 
that have caused her so much stress. He hasn't, she hasn't been able to deal with the business side of things. Absolutely. And she is an awful, awful manager. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. She's like, she's a tyrant. She's, that's the thing about, I mean, the show's really about tortured geniuses and they're all tortured in their own way. Mm -hmm. Like Joe is self-destructive. Cameron is a genius, but at the same time, she acts like a toddler in so many situations. Like she'll, she'll just like curl up in a ball or she'll lash out and throw a tantrum even to her best friends. Um, Donna is kind of, I don't like, I feel like she just is, is kind of depressed. Like (laughs) Uh she has all this stuff in front of her, but she also has these kind of, uh, you know, matriarchal duties that society puts upon her and they've definitely dealt with sexism in this show as well. So I think it's her trying to kind of rationalize being a career woman while balancing that with being a family woman and trying to fit into the social norms of the day. Yep. And then Gordon is just straight up crazy. <laughs> right. I actually think so. <laughs> that Boz is kind of the rock of that company in a lot of ways. Like yeah. when Cameron's down and she's she's not able to focus, he like comes in and makes her laugh and, and kind of just gets everybody back on board. I was so sad when he quit. I was like, no, you are my favorite thing about this show. Don't quit. <laughs> and then I was so happy to see him walk on that plane at the end. So good. I mean, his arc is amazing, too, because he started off, he was head of sales for Cardiff Mm -hmm. and basically oversaw the computer project and went from skeptic to believer, so much so that he basically embezzled money from his own company (laughs) to fund and finance the final push for the giant, uh, ended up in prison. Mm -hmm. And then gets out as an ex-con and joins Mutiny because it's the only place that'll hire him, basically. Yeah. Um, and so he goes, you know, he's the type of guy, uh, I love the scenes where he, like, you could see his sales prowess. When he yes. goes to that family home and the mu- the the kid who has been subscribing to Mutiny has uh, canceled his subscription. And he goes there and his mom says, actually, I canceled. He's running up my credit card bill. And the way that he massages that situation is basically like, this is the only way your son has friends. Uh-huh. That's the, but does it in the most buttery way possible. Uh, I love those scenes. Yeah. Cause he, he could talk the talk, but he's also just like a stand up guy. Yeah. I, um, I think and so. He, he, yeah. He's, he's the sales guy that. I feel like Joe wishes he could be because they're both bullshit artists. Yeah. But, but you know, Boz has heart and Joe doesn't. Joe's heartless. Yeah. And I, I think people trust Boz when he speaks too. Um, there's that scene mm-hmm. where he goes in, uh, you know, after, after they realize that uh, whatever the company is, Joe, the company Joe is working for has stolen all their users mm-hmm. uh, yeah. on mutiny. Uh, yep. He goes in West Death. and they're trying to sell their latest game. So that they can get yeah. money to pay for the new network and all this stuff, uh, mm-hmm. he goes in and he smooth smooth talks these people into buying the game, basically so that you know it can appear like they're doing a lot of good for America. <laughs> you know, it's, right. it, it, he just yeah. has a way about him where you trust the things he's saying. Exactly, and he's got yeah, he's got this way of just always being. He's hard to argue with because he paints his his perspective so eloquently that it's like hmm. That's that's pretty good. I, I love those scenes. Yes, yeah. you know this 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 show also has a little bit of an allegory to Wizard of Oz. Okay, a little bit. you might have to way. spell this out for me. All right, so we have the Scarecrow, which is Gordon, because his brain is broken. <laughs> oh my god! Yep. 
we have the Tin Man, who would be Joe, because he's heartless. Mm-hmm. We have uh, the Cowardly Lion, which would be Cameron, because she uh, is a bit of a coward. Okay. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll go she's with blonde. that. <laughs> and then uh, Dorothy would be uh, Donna, who's basically trying to keep all these people <laughs> together and get to the promised land uh, while dealing with their own demons. And she... You know, while she has the beautiful home, she's not really content with it. She's always trying to find that home. So this is my Wizard of Oz allegory. And I think John Bosworth is probably the creepy guard at the head of the Emerald City Gates. <laughs> with the weird curly chin. Or maybe he's a munchkin. <laughs> All right, who's, the, All right. who's the witch? Is that like Donna's mother? Oh, Donna's mother is the witch. Okay. Yes. She's a little witchy. Donna's mother's the witch. Uh yeah, the th- I the funny thing about that is that she just hates Gordon so much. She does. Yeah. She hates him so much. I think mostly because they gave him $21,000 or $23,000 or something to start the symphony and he never paid it back. Mm-hmm. This that line that she has with them when they're drinking together, she goes, "You know, Donna will never owe me a cent." Right. Like I can't imagine. I am married. I can't imagine having in-laws that saw me in that perspective my in-laws are great they you know have really brought me into the family and you know on mother's day my mother-in-law posts pictures of me on her facebook page <laughs> like this this is my mother-in-law like to, if i can't imagine a mother-in-law that like separates her you know but i guess i guess there's a lot of crappy marriages out there so i'm sure not all mother-in-laws approve of their daughter's husbands but yeah and they just she, see gordon know, as a failure you know i mean as a yeah. loser and a nobody but I, I don't yeah. really view him as that. I I mean he had a decent job before he went off and did this this crazy venture with Joe. Right. And they yeah, the symphony didn't work, but then he got a job at Cardiff as like a head engineer. Yeah. And now he's so, a millionaire. So I uh he's know. an eight hundred thousand. Well, he was, I guess, yeah. Now he's a yeah, and I think he, uh, thirty <laughs> thirty eight an air or whatever the computer they bought is. Yeah, whatever because he, he bought that with the rest of his yeah. buddies, so now that everybody's broke again. Yep. Um, they can yeah, they dude, can well, Craigslist excited. that computer if he if it doesn't work out. <laughs> They're gonna create Craigslist <laughs> just to sell their million dollar computer. I love it. Oh man! So, any predictions for the upcoming season? Uh man, that's a good question. I I predict that Donna and Gordon's relationship will just get worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I predict that Gordon is going to be out of mutiny or on his way out within three episodes. Okay. I think he's going to get kicked out because he's just too focused on Joe. He's kind of an F-up, too. Yeah, I mean, he's got some head problems, like you said, so I don't want to be too harsh on the guy. But, <laughs> okay, okay. But, yeah, That's he, fair. he does tend... Like, he, he's a little rash in his decisions a lot of the time. Yes, he's impulsive, for yeah. sure. Yeah. And that that might be attributed to the CTE, but who knows? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see that. I'm also interested to see this push pull thing between Cameron and Joe is kind of weird to me because they paint this as some kind of epic romance that they're like meant to be together. Basically, that's why Joe's uh, wife leaves him. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the reason she gives is she says you should see yourself when you say her name. Yeah. Uh, so there's kind of this idea that, that they're kind of eternally tied together. And it's the same type of thing when, uh, when Cameron breaks up with her husband, Tom or her boyfriend, Tom, Yeah, the same type of thing. It's, it's like, 
they're they're in love with each other. So there's a, there's kind of a sweet moment between them in the hospital when Lev gets beat up and they're in the hospital and Joe tells Cameron not to sell. Mm-hmm. Uh and she doesn't. And then Cameron, I think Cameron basically crashed Westnet during the shareholders meeting. Yeah. I think that's what happened. They I, I've watched it twice now, and I, they don't paint the picture fully. Right. I think they, what happened is that gift that she gives him of this disc uh, with, yeah. with the new interface and his name on it, like, that is a uh, virus. Ah, uh, I, I that think. Makes sense. But you're right. They don't really spell sense. it out. Yeah, because they basically spell it out that he that he did, that everybody perceives that he did it. Right. And that he's got this reputation of just blowing everything mm-hmm. up. Um. So, uh, so I'm interested to see how that plays out, but I'd also, if, if it's not going to go anywhere, we could just drop that. Like the whole Joe Cameron thing is not that interesting to me. I would love to, I'm interested to see if Joe gets a new love interest and if, I don't know, he seems to put all his hope in these other people and maybe he needs to find hope in himself or I don't know. Yeah. I'm just interested to see where these guys go. It's also interesting. I, I think Joe is bi. Is that true? Because I yes. know he had a relationship with a man way back in the day mm-hmm. uh, that they yeah with the uh, pr- uh, industrial designer who created the case for the giant right and, and he seems to be yeah. cool with relationships with both sexes so I, I don't yep. know if his next love interest would be a man or a woman or like where that would come from mm. maybe him and Boz are gonna hook up I don't know I mean shit Boz got man. a cousin I'll <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I do love that scene when Boz find yep. out, finds out that Lev is gay, and he's like, "Oh, you're, oh, that's, oh, uh. it's just like a perfect painting of 1983's uh, acceptance." Yeah, like, like that's a that's like epic. Ex- yeah, that's a sixty-year-old cowboy. That's like, like the, that's like that's the realm of his being able to accept homosexuality is basically, huh? Okay, like <laughs> right. Let's never uh, talk about that again. <laughs> yeah, that's that's his thing. So yep. I don't know, but maybe it awakens something within him, and he, him, and Joe can find happiness. There together. you go. Who knows? Season four or episode four? Season. Oh, you're already you're already saying this thing's going to get sold for the fourth season. I like that. I like the optimism. Jim. <laughs> well, I'm shipping them, so I, I got to <laughs> hold right. on to something. All right. Uh, yeah, I think that's all I have to say about this show. I'm excited about Me it too. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I really don't know what kind of computer stuff they're going to get up to in the next season, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm sure it will revolve more around networks because mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff is happening around that time. Uh, BBSs were kind of just the start of it, and we may even see some internet stuff, some actual true, like, you know, GeoCities or AOL type stuff, you know? Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, uh, my dad was into computers, and so I remember it was probably nineteen around nineteen eighty nine. He like came home and he had Prodigy Internet, and we had an Atari computer at that point, and he loaded up Prodigy on the Atari and like literally gathered the family (laughs) around the computer. Wow! Like everybody, come around the computer. Uh Like my sister and my mom, and we all gathered around the computer. And he's like, "This is the internet," <laughs> and basically, it was like a picture of a cruise ship. And he's like, "You can book a cruise if you want." And I was like, "I don't really get it, Dad. It doesn't look like a game." <laughs> but uh, but he was excited about it, and uh, it all worked out. Yeah, I, I, the internet has worked out. I, I guarantee you, they'll have a scene kind of like that in the next season. Yeah. 
it's just kind of great. Like it was, it was that reve- that family reveal moment. That that's always a dear. It's one of my earliest memories because it was when like it was in a house that we sold when I was six. Mm. So that's like one of my earliest memories is doing that. I also feel like they play a little fast and loose with the timeline here, but I'm not sure. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I think the first season took place in '83. The second season took place in '85. And they might do another jump here because they did like a two year jump for the first between the first season and the second season. They might just go to like eighty nine, and wow. maybe Joe has a full fledged company, and the internet is is going and and all of that. So yeah, I don't know. I'm excited Me too. So if if uh, so, we'll have posts on the forums for these. So go to forums.baldmove.com and join the discussion there. Uh, and then, is there a way that people can email us? Uh, yeah, if you want to get in touch with us via email, just send it to mutiny at baldmove.com, and we'll uh, get that message. On the show. What? You're it, finishing it, my sentences look, already. Look at that. I love it. I love it. Yeah, you know, it'll you know it'll show up through the community channels, which means that uh, next time you log in, it'll show up. Or if you're live, it'll just pop up immediately. Right. This is how they explained it to Joe when they were doing the, the dummy machine. Yep. Uh, I like this show a lot, uh, and I'm excited to embark on this journey. And I appreciate that AMC gave it a third chance because I feel like it really does deserve it. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, uh, yeah. So we're going to have new shows every Thursday after the episode airs. Uh, so look yep. look on the website for them then, or you know, subscribe to the feed and just get them automatically. All right. Well, I think that's about it. So until next time, until the first episode. And I believe they're doing a two-episode premiere. Oh, boy. Okay, cool. So I suppose it will be a supersized two-episode premiere episode of Mutiny Community. Until then, I'm Eric. And I'm Jim. Log out.